For those of you who have just arrived, um, my name is Heather Yaruso, and I am a resident priest at uh, the City Center Temple of San Francisco Zen Center here in the Hayes Valley neighborhood. And my talk tonight is about this one uh, syllable word, mu, M-U. Uh, I'm wondering how many people have heard of the koan, uh, does a dog have Buddha nature? Is that um, something anybody is familiar with? That koan? No. Oh, I got a... I got a couple of thumbs up and a couple of nods. Okay. So um, uh, the, the koan, I'll just, st I'll state it for you first. A monk asked Joshu as a Zen master, does a dog have the Buddha nature? Joshu responded, mu, M-U. So, this koan, K-O-A-N, that's the Romanized version of the Japanese word. This koan is probably one of the most popular koans that's associated with, with Zen. And if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with koan, a koan is, as you probably can tell, an enigmatic story, right, that, uh, puzzles the mind, right? So what, what is, why is the monk asking this question? And what is Joshu's response mean, right? Um, so this particular case is the first case, case number one in the gateless gate. So the gateless gate is a collection of koans that was compiled in the Song Dynasty of China. And uh, a koan means in Japanese, a matter for public thought. And in Chinese, it means official business. So koans are ways, uh, studying koan is a way to help deepen our understanding of the Buddhist teachings. And koans usually, I can't say always because I haven't read all of them or studied all of them uh, in a deep way. But they're usually are pointing to two of the Buddha's uh, main teachings, which is the absolute truth, or what we sometimes refer to as emptiness or ultimate reality or Buddha nature, and the relative truth, which we usually call form or phenomena. Okay arising sensory phenomena. So these uh, koans help us to drop below the mind, drop below the neck and be more embodied, right? So it's trying to slice through the thinking minds wanting to grasp onto uh, something certain, right? So even though they are puzzling, koans are not really to be solved, like I said, with the thinking mind, right? They're utilized by Chan. Chan is just a Chinese word for Zen. Uh, both the word 
Both words mean meditation. Chan and Zen mean meditation. Mostly Renzai, R-I-N-Z-A-I. That's again, the Romanized way to spell the word. Renzai teachers, it's another uh, Zen lineage. They mostly use uh, koans to, with their students. And this particular koan, people refer to it as Joshu's Mu, is a koan that is usually the first one that they give to their students. And then the students need to respond in a way that their teacher feels that they actually have a, an embodied or somatic understanding, like this mu has permeated their, their being. Um, and the student would bring their response, what they think is their answer, their understanding of the koan to the teacher, for the teacher to say, to verify their understanding. And Soto Zen, which is the tradition that I am ordained in, and Soto, S-O-T-O, is the uh, tradition that was founded here by Suzuki Roshi, right? So he's in the Soto Zen lineage, going back to Eihei Dogen in the 13th century Japan. So the hope with uh, using these koans, teachers hope to help their students have some kind of spiritual epiphany or uh, shining forth, right? That's what that word epiphany means, a shining forth. In uh, Buddhism, we would call the shining forth Kensho, K-E-N-S-H-O, or Satori. Even though they mean a little different, uh, people usually use them interchangeably. So S-A-T-O-R-I, Satori, or Kensho. So Kensho, Ken means seeing, and Sho means essence. So a Kensho experience is seeing into our true essence, experiencing Buddha nature or emptiness. And Joshu, uh, who is the Zen teacher in this koan, he lived uh, in the Tang dynasty of China. And I'm using Joshu, that's his Japanese name. His, uh, his Chinese name is Zhao Zhou. He lived from 778 to 897. And when Joshu had his first Kensho experience at the age of 17, he described it this way. He said, suddenly I was ruined and homeless. And this one uh, teacher says that this means that Joshu was thrown into a great emptiness, right? So this great emptiness, as you probably can imagine, is not so easy to express in words. There's a saying in Zen that words and phrases always miss the mark. Of course, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, the irony of my saying words and phrases always miss the mark while I'm giving a Dharma talk. Obviously, I, I understand that's ironic. And you have to say something. And there's a way to use words to help us go beyond words, right? It's like sometimes uh, in these, the, the koans, when the, the people who compile them give their understanding of the koan, sometimes they say, I've heard one of them say, uh, using poison to alleviate poison, like using poison to, uh, as, an anic as an antidote to poison. So using the mind, the thinking mind, to undercut, undermine thinking mind, right? So... That's, that's, that's where that saying would come from, using poison to uh, 
as an antidote to poison. So this word mu can be interpreted as uh, or translated as no or nothingness, right? What I've read is that it's usually translated as nothingness or as no, but me implying nothingness. So does a dog have Buddha nature? No or nothingness, it's kind of ambivalent what Joshu uh, says or means by, by Mu. Now, this koan is almost like more than 800 years old. I think it's, it was the, the Mumon Khan was compiled in 1228. And uh, that story is probably goes back another hundred years or so. So after all these centuries, we're still pondering this koan. And as I suggested for a few minutes there in, the, in your meditation to use this word mu or this meaningless sound to help cut through arising thoughts, right? To help uh, maybe shake up those thoughts, like the solidity we often think, we often feel thoughts as solid and we often identify with arising thoughts. So this mu, which is what I think Joshu's doing by saying mu, my understanding is he's helping to slice through the monk's thinking mind, the monk wanting to know for, for sure, does a dog have the Buddha nature? Does the wisdom that runs through all things, as A. Hey Dogen says, does the wisdom that runs through human beings, these sentient beings, does it also run through dogs? Right? I think it's a simple and also a profound question that he's, and I understand why he's asking that. I think it's a wonderful question. And in some ways, Joshu refuses to uh, give him something to hold on to by saying Mu. Right? So this Kensho Asatori is a non-intellectual, non-dual somatic experience of our profound and boundless connection with all sentient beings and with non-sentient beings, right? So inanimate objects, uh, if you're familiar at all with, with Dogen, D-O-G-E-N, he says in many of his fascicles that walls, tiles, pebbles, they all expound the Buddha Dharma, right? So this wisdom that runs through all things is this great profound emptiness that Joshu experienced when he had his first uh, Kensho, his first enlightenment experience when he was 17. So working with koans, I think, is uh, one way that this internal wisdom can flash into our ordinary consciousness, right? So these koans are most often short dialogues between a student and a teacher where the student is trying to clarify his or her understanding or demonstrate his or her understanding or sometimes even challenge the knowledge or the instructions of their teacher, right? Sometimes these koans come out of the teacher's own questions, right? Maybe it was even a question that propelled the teacher onto the spiritual path. And sometimes these koans capture Mondo, M-O-N-D-O, which is uh, a verbal exchange between two uh, teachers, right? And sometimes these teachers are from different schools of Zen. So the two main schools of Zen that still exist in the United States, that are in the United States, uh, the dominant ones are 
the Soto Zen, which is what I mentioned already that I've been ordained in, and then the Renzai tradition. Now, these two traditions uh, back in ancient China, there was what some Western scholars say like uh, schism or division between these schools because one school, the Renzai school, promoted this koan introspection they, or story contemplation as the most direct path or perhaps the most effective path to enlightenment. And the Soto tradition focused more on the method of silent illumination or um, sitting just in awareness, like an objectless awareness. We are not focusing on anything, but just sitting we say in Zen, uh, shikintaza, it's a Japanese word for just sitting, right? So not a story contemplation. But this one scholar, Thomas Cleary, he says that there isn't any real evidence, according to him, uh, of there being this schism uh, back in ancient China between these two schools. He said that both of these schools use silent illumination and koan introspection and they used whatever they could use in order to shake up their students' attachment to a teaching, right? And that's, I think, also what Joshu's pointing to. Does the dog have Buddha nature? Because the Buddha says in one of his sutras, the Mahayana Parinirvana Sutra, um, that everything has the Buddha nature, right? So this monk is trying to get clarity about whether or not this dog, a dog has Buddha nature. So what Zen teachers try to do, they try to break up our stories about life, our stories about ourselves, trying to uh, help us have more of a fluid way of viewing ourselves and others and situations, right? Having an embodied experience of impermanence, right? So uh, one way to do this is to offer these enigmatic koans or to shake things up and say, oh, drop that koan and sit this way. So it's all about studying our own attachment, right? To what's arising, our fixed points of view. So that's partly what uh, Joshu's doing with this, with this word mu. Mm -hmm. um, so the gateless gate in Japanese, it is uh, pronounced or spelled, it's pronounced mu mankan. And that's the same mu, M-U, which means nothingness, man, M-O-N, which means gate, and then kan, K-A-N, which means barrier. So it's a barrier that doesn't have a gate. And this uh, Japanese teacher and author, Katsuki Sakita, he says the ideograph, which is uh, the ideograph in Japanese for kan, may also refer to a checkpoint where you have to show your credentials to the authorities in order for you to get through the checkpoint back in ancient China. So you could also translate Mumun Khan as a checkpoint that is not blocked in any way. Okay. So this particular collection of koans, the Gateless Gate, it's one of three main collections. The other two you might have heard of, one is also is called the Book of Serenity, and the other one is called the Blue Cliff Record. Each of those has 100 koans, and this one has 48, so it's the shortest of the three. So the uh, Zen monk named Muman Ikai, 
he uh, compiled this collection of koans in Song Dynasty, China. Uh, and in 1229. And so he adds his own commentary to the koan. And then he also has his own, he also offers a verse, his poem as a understanding, uh, his understanding of this, of this koan. Uh, and let me also just say that this koan where Joshu responds as Mu is not the only version of the koan. There's also other versions of the koan where Joshu says, yes, a dog has Buddha nature, or Joshu says, no, a dog has Buddha doesn't does not have Buddha nature. Uh, so I just want to mention that because it's, this isn't the only version. And I think it's helpful to also explore the other versions of this koan because it, uh, in one way, it makes it even more puzzling. <laughs> but again, you know, Joshu is trying to shake up people's uh, certainty, that mind that's clinging and looking for something certain. So Muman says this about, uh, about this, this koan. He says, to master Zen, you must pass through the barrier of the ancestors and completely cut off the way of the thinking mind. Then you will be like a ghost clinging to bushes and weeds. Now I want to ask you, what is the barrier of the patriarchs? Why it's the single, single word mu? So Mu is the front gate, he says, of Zen. It's the Mumankan of Zen. So he says Mu is the gateless gate of Zen. Right? And so these, you'll be like a ghost clinging to bushes and weeds. Obviously, ghosts are not very substantial, and they really can't cling to anything. right? So again, it's like you think you got something. You think you can cling to a bush or a weed, right? to something substantial. You're, you're going to be like a ghost if you pass through you'll feel uh, less substantive. <laughs> uh, perhaps that's my, my take on it uh, because ghosts are very transitory as we know. Um, and also bushes and weeds could be a reference to our dualistic mind, right? Uh, often they use like knots and a bamboo to, to denote dualistic thinking. Like there's weeds, there's bushes, right? So that's what he's also talking about, like a ghost. We're ghosts, like trying to grasp onto uh, a rising phenomena as if it were real, like this distinction between bushes and weeds. But these koans are pointing to what's unifying the bushes and the weeds and the ghosts and you and me and Mu and the dog and Joshu, right? So that's what the koans are pointing to, that unifying source, the great emptiness. In Muman's verse about the koan, is the dog, the Buddha nature, the pronouncement, perfect and final. So he first, it's, Muman says, Joshu's response, his pronouncement is perfect and final. But the next two sentences, he contradicts himself, of course, and he says, before you, before you say it has or has not, you are a dead man on the spot. So before you say a dog has Buddha nature or does not have Buddha nature, you've already missed it, right? You're already a dead person on the spot. So what he's pointing at is again, trying to uh, our grasping mind, trying to make an idea, a teaching 
about Buddha nature, solid and finite and perfect. Like this is what the Buddha taught. And now I've got it. And what's next, right? So that striving mind that's always looking to progress, right? And so as soon as something's conceptualized, it's dead, right? So that's what he's pointing to with his verse, right? That you can't say it has and you can't say it has not, right? There's just this uh, way that practicing Zen helps us to uh, open the hand of thought. That's a, a phrase, title of a book, which is really wonderful by Uchiyama Roshi, opening the hand of thought, right? So the dog does or does not have Buddha nature. And in many ways, the question is more uh, illuminating than, than the answer, right? The question is what is stirring us to contemplate our own nature by contemplating the nature of, of a dog or a cat or a tree or a table. So that's why I wanted to introduce you to Mu while you were meditating, just so you can get a little flavor of, of what that might be like. 